Damn, what a grump. A grump, yeah, just like in Star Trek, he's a big grump. Funk, funk on the head. No blah, blah, blah! Back to the bin. And welcome to Back to the Bins. I'm Paul Spitaro, and I am joined by two no good nicks Dr. Bill Robinson. Hello. And Scott, how can I get out of doing any work, Gardner? <laughs> I was waiting for it. <laughs> How's it going, man? <laughs> it's going all right. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Hey, I'm on vacation. I have a legal excuse to not do shit. Oh, I'm on vacation. <laughs> I am it's, on you know, vacation. They have medicine you could take for that. <laughs> I am on vacation. So how bad could it be, right? Oh, it be permanent vacation. Yeah, right. I wish. I wish. I work hard, I'll have you know. He works hard for the money. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, How you guys so, doing? You doing all right? Yeah. I guess uh, in, in way of comic book news... You talk about how we're, uh, since you said you don't have to do shit, we're kind of flushing the system uh, a little bit of uh, some excess baggage, if you will. I tell you what, I have been a comic selling goddamn fool here in the in the past uh, couple of days. Yeah, I, uh, I finally decided to uh, shit or get off the pot, as it were, and uh, I, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it for the longest time. I got in a bit of a of a money bind. That's that's what kind of spurred the whole thing. Was that all, all of a sudden we realized, oh my gosh, we need some quick money, like now. So I, I slapped a couple of books uh, up on Facebook, uh, you know, in our different groups and stuff, and was just like, look, you know, here's the situation. Kind of need some quick cash. Not gonna beg you for money, but here's some books I can sell if you're interested, kind of thing. And uh, and man, I'm telling you what. Every time, uh, you know, something like this happens, I'm I'm amazed anew by how awesome our group is because people just, you know, they came they came running to assist, and you know, I'm I'm hoping that they really needed the books that they bought, you know, and all that. But I mean, uh, we we quickly went from from really hurting to uh, to fairly flush in a in a very very rapid uh, period of time. So. It was it was kind of shocking. It was kind of eye opening to me. And uh, for the first time in ages and ages, I'm selling comics again, and I'm kind of having to re-educate myself uh, just because it's been so long since I really cared about values or grades. Uh, you know, I'm kind of having to re-educate myself just on how the whole comic selling thing works. But um, yeah, long story short, you know, we ain't, we, we're not doing too bad on, on that front. So I'm going to keep it going because I've been meaning to do it for the longest time. I know that anybody that's listened, you know, to, you know, to, whether to this show or, you know, any of the other Two True Freaks projects I've been a part of has probably got a, sick of hearing me talk about it over the years about, ah, you know, one of these days, you know, maybe I'll sell my books and everything. Well, I finally decided uh, I'm going to go ahead and stick with this. You know, it's going to be time permitting kind of thing, because that's that's the other thing is, God, does it take, you know, forever? Even doing it the way I'm doing it and trying not to use eBay, it's still just exhausting, you know, going through things and 
you know, grading and trying to be fair and, you know, list things the proper way and take pictures and all of that, even not doing the eBay route, it, it's still just, it, it takes a lot of time. But, you know, at the same time, uh, you know, I've been so amazed by, you know, how, how well it's been doing, frankly. Um, I just today I slapped up um, a collection that was literally every post-crisis Wonder Woman book that I have. And I slapped a price on it that I thought was fair. You know, it was it was a price I would, you know, I, I figured I could live with. And that's kind of how I've been trying to do this. Yeah, you know, I'm not looking to screw anybody. I'm not looking to make absolute top dollar or anything like that. I'm just, I'm looking at the books and going, okay, here's what I think the value, or what, excuse me, what the condition is. Here's what I, I'm happy to get out of it. Go. And that's kind of what I did with the, with the Wonder Woman's today. And I swear within minutes, somebody bought that. And I was just shocked and Every time that happens, I'm both really happy, and then I'm also like, "Gee, am I lowballing myself?" But you know, what the hell? Even if I am, I, I haven't sold anything yet where I bet was unhappy, uh, you know, with the amount that I got for it. So you know, I, I you know, no complaints. I'm I'm moving shit out, and uh, you know, kind of, you know, like I say, I was paying some bills, and now it's all going to you know, basically to rainy day fund, which was what it was always intended for anyway, you know. You know, as far as the thought of if I ever got rid of you know my books, so well, you know it's just kind of where I'm at right now. I, I did allow myself one uh, one you know quote unquote frivolous expenditure out of it so far, which was I don't know if I talked to you guys, which about was a hundred new books. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, uh, a while ago, and I think I talked to you guys about this. Uh, I can't remember if it was on the air or not, but you know, I, I'd had this idea in my head a while ago that. If I could ever afford to get myself a, a really nice external hard drive with what I figured was enough space, and the and the, the one I had in mind was a two terabyte uh, external drive, you know, just basically it's it, it's basically functions like a zip drive, you know. Uh, if I could ever get one of those, I would dump all of my digital comics onto that so that I could finally have them all in one place and organized because I've got a ton of them, but they're all backed up on. Um, on DVDs that I burned, you know, for backup purposes. So they're here, there, and everywhere. They're not really organized in any real way, shape, or form. I figured if I could do that and then know for a fact that, okay, I want to sell this lot of, you know, Comic X, and I can look at my digital files and go, yep, I have a digital copy of every one of these comics I want to sell. Boom, done. And that's how I could live with you know, getting rid of stuff. So long as I have it in some form to where I can read it when I want to, I don't necessarily have to have the paper anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, so I, I finally allowed myself that, you know, that one expense out of this, which like I say, you know, it's kind of a frivolous expense, I guess you could say, but it's going to go toward facilitating the sale of more comics. So, you know, in the long run, I'm hoping it, you know, I, it's kind of justified that way, but, uh, but yeah, I, I've been doing good, and uh, and strangely, I've been kind of enjoying the process in kind of a therapeutic kind of way. You know what I mean? Right. Um, what I would like to do is uh, I'd like to put the call out to the listeners, though. You know, a lot of people, when they initially saw my post, uh, you know, I had a good number of folks that stepped right up and were like, you know, I really don't need any books right now or anything like that, but, you know, how can I help? You know, I'd like to send you some money, and I turned all those people down. I was like, nope. 
I appreciate it, but that, you know, I, I wasn't looking for a handout. I was just like, you know, I wanted to make everybody aware here was the situation and here's how I want to deal with it, you know, sell some comics. Now that we're more or less, you know, out of the out of the woods as far as, you know, the whole money problem thing was going, uh, I want to keep this going. So I, I just, I, I like the way this is going so far to where I'm not having to rely on doing things through eBay. That may change eventually. But one thing that's helping is being able to, to let these books go, maybe not for what I could ultimately get out of them if I did it auction style, but doing it, you know, to where I'm, I'm happy with the price I, I'm getting out of it. What's helping that a lot is that I'm selling them to friends. So I know where they're going. You know what I mean? So it's not just, you know, putting these books out there and being like, well, you know, that was it. You know, now I know that, you know, they're, they're going to other people that I actually know, people that are going to, uh, you know, treat them the, the same way I would have treated them kind of thing. Uh, what I'd like to do is just put the call out to the listeners. You know, if there's anybody listening to this and, and you're looking for books right now, you have a want list uh, or even, you know, have the time to create a want list, send it off to me. Let me let me look it over. If, if I have anything that's on that want list, you know, I'll, I'll see what we can do. Maybe we can, maybe we can work something out, you know. So that's and, kind of uh, right now. For, and for those of you who would wanted to give money to Scott, but he turned it down, I'm sure Paul and I would gratefully <laughs> accept any of those donations. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll forward it to Scott. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but but you have inspired me to some extent. You and I were talking on the phone the other day about this. But I'm going to be a little bit different. I'm going to be a little bit more global. I'm not going to look over individual issues and figure out values and. Uh, Basically, I've kind of come to the conclusion that I really want to only collect silver and bronze age stuff at this point. Right. Uh, I do appreciate some of the books I have past that, especially some that have been sent to me by some listeners, which I really appreciate. And I'll probably cherry pick some to keep out of that. But I think for the most part, whatever I don't cherry pick out, I'm going to put a list out there and just say, you know, a dollar a book with discounts for, you know, the, the more you buy, the, the more you save kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that plus postage and handling, and you can bulk up without having to spend huge dollars. Um, but I'm, I'm going to try and do that. Hopefully, I'll get some downtime where I'll be able to make that list and post it. Uh, now, just, just to be said, uh, you know, I, I realize that this is kind of a little hypocritical. <laughs> but we don't want to turn the Back to the Bins or Two True Freaks website into, or, you know, Facebook pages into an eBay page. Right. So... You know, we're going to do this, and hopefully nobody's going to begrudge us that we're doing it, but we're going to ask that not everybody decide, hey, let me put my stuff up there. Uh, if, you know, people want to do that, we can maybe set up a page to do it. But, you know, I just, you know, we, we want it to be the fan community. And, uh, you know, for better or for worse, we kind of feel like by doing the shows and everything, we've earned the right to do, you know, to put a, to, to take a little leeway. But we don't right. want to, still don't want to turn it into a uh, an auction house, you know. That page but, will be called uh, Bins to the Back. <laughs> well, you know, you and I were talking about this, and, and I think the other justification, too, was, you know, quite often we'll do a show, and, you know, then later on, you know, somebody will will say something about, ah, you know, you bastards cost me money because, you know, you, you raved about this, so I went out and bought it kind of thing, and we've long joked about, you know, the, the kickback and everything. Well, Well, now... 
we're you know we're actually putting our comics out there you know what i mean to where where they'll be available you know to be purchased kind of thing so i kind of look at it that way as well you know philosophically anyway as the justification for us you know maybe maybe whoring ourselves a little bit on our in our own group but i i, I think it's justified i I can't. I honestly can't imagine our listeners giving us too much of a of a hard time about that. You know, maybe jokingly they will. Um, other than the fact of, yeah, I, I agree with you. When we were talking about it, you know, there was that thought of, you know, gee, are we going to seem hypocritical if we're like, we can do it, but you can't do it? But I, again, I don't. I think when we when we actually are forthcoming with the listeners, like like you just were, and and explain, you know, the motivation behind what we're doing. And, and then, you know, the thought that, hey, we're perfectly willing to create, however, a, a secondary group where you can, you know, do all the bartering you want to, then, you know, I, I think it's justified. I think it works. So we'll, we'll see what the listeners think, but I, I think they'll be understanding about that. I mean, like I say, so far the, uh, you know, just the, uh, I'm trying to think of the right word, but just, you know, uh, the, the, the reaction, I guess, from you know, our community, uh, you know, to my situation was, was just, I mean, it was, uh, really touching, you know, I mean, people came running and, uh, and, uh, really, you know, I mean, really helped us out. So I appreciate that very much. But like I say, uh, you know, the last thing I wanted to do was, was be there with my hand out. You know, I, I was that, that's why I did it, you know, with the comics and, I'm really glad that I did because I, I think it was the kick in the pants that I've been needing for a while to to finally just start doing this. I'd been talking it and, you know, in the back of my mind, knowing that it needed to be done, but just wasn't doing anything about it. Well, now I'm finally doing something about it. And that's uh, all well and good. But if you had told Bill and I that you needed a kick in the pants, we would have gladly obliged. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But no, to everybody who, uh, you know, who has... Uh, bought books especially you know especially first and foremost to the people who've actually bought books thank you so much i can't tell you what it means to us you know to the people that you know that offered money or whatever you know thank you i really do appreciate that and uh you know to the folks that just simply you know they were concerned and and dashed off a quick hey are you okay you know that means so much i really appreciate that and uh, and like i say you know the just the caring and and the sense of family and and community and brotherhood that this uh, you know that our fa- uh, their little back to the bins and two true freaks family has, um, you know it just it, it inspires me anew it, it it touches me anew every time something like you know like this really reminds me that hey you know you're not alone there there is you know this community out there it's uh, it's awesome it it really is awesome you know I, I had the occasion recently. Um, our good friend uh, David Pascarella was down here and we were hanging out. Unfortunately, we didn't get to hang out near as long as I would have liked, but we did get to spend a couple hours together. And I forget what it was specifically we were talking about, but something came up during the course of our conversation. And maybe, maybe it was just, you know, us just kind of sitting around together. I, I can't remember, but something kind of struck Dave. And I remember him specifically uh, was the one that said it. And he was like, yeah, how awesome is this? You know, that, that you know, that you guys created this and you know talking about you know us the two true freaks podcasters you know this pod you know this this network now this this family really of people that you know from all different places from all different walks of life from all different backgrounds and and persuasions and political leanings and everything else and we all come together you know and and hang out and just enjoy each other's company just over 
the silly fart noises we make on these shows. I mean, how cool is that? I think that's pretty neat. I agree, but all credit to you and Chris. Ah, I mean, you get you and Bill have been a huge part of this. I mean, yeah, I mean, Chris and I may have started the whole thing, you know, the whole ball rolling. But come on, I mean, you know, look at the community, you know, that we have just in the podcasters alone and then, you know, going out from there. I mean, you you certainly deserve, you know, you and Bill certainly deserve a lion's share of that credit as well, in my opinion. Oh, Paul does all the heavy lifting. I'm just here for jokes. <laughs> or to be made fun of. <laughs> and we appreciate so. it. On a more serious note, uh, you know, we we were somewhat touched and saddened uh, by the recent passing of Rich Buckler, and we yes. decided, you know, that uh, we we may the show the show may evolve to other things, but we wanted to make sure that we talked about uh, Rich and shared some thoughts about him and and how saddened we are by his his you know way too soon uh, departure. Uh, and I, I just figured, you know, I'd, I'd start off by by just talking a little bit about my personal interaction with him, and then we could talk a little bit professionally later. Uh, I first met Rich in person in, I believe it was, it was either 1976 or 1977. Uh, and, you know, Mar Marvel decided to do their own convention at that time. And it was, you know, a hotel show. Uh, and it was, I know, I'm pretty sure it was their second annual for however many years they did it. And I remember really clearly Stan Lee was there. He spoke, and then he met with everybody, and it was the first chance I had to meet Stan Lee as well. And uh, I had this really, really dumb thought because I decided I was going to get one book and bring it to all the creators that I liked and have them all sign it, which in and of itself isn't that dumb of a thought. But the book I chose to do it with was really, really dumb because I did it with Captain America 100. So... <laughs> So I have a copy of Captain, Captain America 100, and on the cover is Stan Lee's signature, which is fine, because Stan Lee wrote that story. And that, that's all well and good. But for reasons that escaped me, I decided I was going to have everybody sign that. And I only got two signatures on it. There's Stan Lee and there's Rich Buckler. And when I met Rich Buckler, I talked to him for a couple of minutes, and I told him how much I enjoyed his work in the Fantastic Four. And then I put up the Captain America book, and I said, could you sign this? And he looked at me in total earnestness, I just said, are you, are you sure you want me to sign this? Because I didn't work on this book. And I said, no, 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 yeah, you know, go ahead and sign it. And he did. And he was a gentleman about it. Uh, and then, you know, eventually looking back, I was like, boy, that was dumb to have him sign that. Uh, and then the funny thing is, I, I hadn't seen him again until New York Comic Con, I guess around five years ago. And I told him that story. And you, you had to see his face. He was like taken aback by it. Like that, you know, he, he was upset by the fact that when I asked him to sign it, he didn't just sign it. That he, like, you know, he, he was saying, you know, that I, I'm surprised I gave you a hard time. I was like, no, you didn't give me a hard time at all. You you were trying to, to tell me that, it, you know, that, that that just wasn't the right book for you to sign, which was absolutely correct. <laughs> and, and, but, but he was actually, like, bothered by it. Mm -hmm. and, and I just, like, I think that goes to, like, deep down inside what a good guy he is. Right. That, that, you know, the, th the thought that he kind of, you know, refused a request for a signature, which he didn't even do, you know, 40 years earlier would bother him. <laughs> <laughs> so and then, you know, at that time I, I had a chance. Uh, I, I bought a uh, thing head sketch from him. I think he charged like $40, I think it was. Uh, and then, you know, we, we took a picture together holding the sketch and everything. So he, he was he was really, you know, just a pleasant, pleasant man to talk to, to reminisce with. Uh, and then we, I met him, I saw him at each subsequent New York Comic Con until 
I don't think I saw him last year. But we also saw him at Eternal Con a couple of times, and you had a chance to interact with him there. And he's just always just the nicest guy whenever I talk to him. My biggest disappointment is he was somewhat shy. Because I asked him if he would be on the show. I told him one of my all-time favorite comic books, and this is not you know trying to butter him up, it's just reality. One of my all-time favorite comic books is Giant Size Superstars number one with the right. Fantastic Four and, and the Hulk. Right. And I told him I would love to cover that issue on, on the show, and if at all possible, I would love to have him come on and discuss it. And he... You know, he he was a gentleman about it. He said, you know, I appreciate it. Thank you. So I'm really not comfortable coming on the show. But if you want to, you could submit me questions and I'll give you answers to them. So, you know, which I never did. I never did follow up on that. But I, I thought that was, you know, that was certainly a fair compromise on his part since he wasn't comfortable coming on and speaking live. Right. Uh, to, you know, to be willing to, to provide answers was, you know, really... I think, you know, that, that was a, a fine alternative and I should have taken advantage of it. And to date, I still haven't covered that book on the show and it is one of my all-time favorites. So I think I have to make a point of doing it. We should do that because you, you turned me on to that book because I'm pretty sure that was a book I was previously unaware of. And I'm pretty sure that you're the one that turned me on to it. And, and I went and I read it a while back as part of a, of a different project that you and I were going to do. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I really liked that book a lot, and so much so that I actually went right out and bought one for myself. So, yeah, actually, that, um, that's a great book. Actually, the Fantastic Cast covered that, mm, I want to say, about a year or two ago. I remember listening to that. I'm, I'm about ooh, eight months behind on my shows with them, but uh, I remember that, that they covered that, because that's what the whole thing fight. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the, the only other... Uh personal comment I can uh, hit on is when we were at Eternal Con, there was a guy who, you know, was significantly younger than Rich, but, you know, an adult with a you know full beard and everything. And he was kind of standing off to the side and I got the feeling, you know, he was kind of like Rich's helper, for lack of a better word, uh, at the show. And at one point, I think when we were giving him books to sign, I, I ended up in a conversation with that guy and he was a nice guy also. So I had reached out at one point to Rick Butler who I saw on Facebook, who is Rich's son, and said, oh, are you the guy who I was talking to at, at the Eternal Con show? And it was not him. But I ended up friending Rick on Facebook and getting into an extensive conversation with him back and forth, talking about his kids, my kids, just art in general. He is also an artist, just like his dad, uh, and you know, really a nice guy. So it's nice to see sometimes the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Mm. That was definitely my, you know, my biggest takeaway, finally getting to meet him because, you know, we, we've dealt with enough, uh, you know, comic book celebrities over the years, you know, uh, since starting Two True Freaks that I don't typically consider myself, you know, getting starstruck anymore or anything like that. But with him, I still had a, a bit of that sense of, of starstruck because he was to me, he was one of the big ones. Uh, you know, he, he's a guy whose work I've loved literally since I was a kid. Uh, I've always been a fan of uh, particularly his work on Superman and, and, you know, really wish he had done more of it. But the stuff that he did, I hold in incredibly high regard. So finally getting to meet him was I mean, that was really a thrill for me. And uh, and, yeah, I, I did have a bit of that that starstruck feeling, you know, talking to him and everything. But I mean, he was an incredibly nice man. 
but yeah, he was. Uh, you know, I remember at the time he, he struck me as a little bit odd, and, and it took a while to kind of place what it was. And I, I think you're right. I think he was just very shy, and that shyness made him a little bit awkward, if you know what I mean. And you know, the, the you know trying to hold a conversation with him was a little bit awkward, and I think it was because of that. Uh, and I remember. I knew that you had already asked him about the podcast, you know, about being on a podcast and he had turned us down. Uh, and I remember asking him something related to podcasts. I, I think maybe it was for a soundbite and, yeah. and he turned us down on that too, which, which broke my heart, but I can understand why, you know, why he did it. But, you know, just interacting with him about everything else was, you know, was really a treat and everything. You know, he, he was very busy. I remember the day that we were, or at least at the, point of the day that we were there but he still you know allowed you to, to take a minute with him and i you know i got a chance to as i was having different things signed by him to take a minute to you know try to explain to him you know why i had brought what i brought and he seemed really touched by that you know he seemed to he seemed to get a kick out of you know the little story that went with each book of you know why why i chose this particular book to bring to you because uh, you know, a couple of them were the obvious, you know, big ones he had worked on, you know, like uh, uh, DC Comics Presents Annual Number One, uh, to me, has always been a big one that he worked on. But then there were, you know, other ones that were kind of oddball ones, you know, it was like this random issue of World's Finest that I had him sign. And I had it, had him sign it only because this was an issue that had always stuck with me all my life. There's not anything you know, quote unquote, key or important about that particular story or about that particular issue other than it meant something to me. And that's the kind of stuff I like to share with these creators. And, and he seemed like he really thought that was pretty neat. So, but yeah, I, I thought he was a, a just, you know, a really, really nice man. And, uh, you know, when when celebrities pass away, you know, I'm, I'm always sad that they're gone but I think if I'm completely honest with myself, a lot of that sadness typically is, you know, it, it's me projecting like, oh, you know, now they're gone and I'm, you know, I'll, I'll never get anything more out of them as far as, you know, another performance or another, you know, book that they'll draw or whatever the case may be. And and and, it, and it's kind of a selfish way, if you know what I mean. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sad that they're that they're dead, but it's also that that sense of. Well, you know, the, they'll never produce any more thing, you know, that that I knew them for. This was a different one, though. This this one really I, I found myself really bummed out about this for, for several days in the sense that, yes, we'd lost a great artist. You know, yes, we'd lost you know a, a part of my childhood and, and he'll never you know produce any more comics kind of thing. But it was also just a sense of we lost just an incredibly nice person, you know, just a just a really genuinely warm and, and kind and and caring human being and that that's the real loss uh you know with this one i think yeah i, I remember you know when carmine infantino passed and i was never the biggest carmine infantino fan but i do remember meeting him at the big apple con one year and he was so nice that i felt the loss you know had nothing to really to do with his career and just so much that i knew that he was such a nice man and you know, in the grand scheme of things, I guess that's a, that's a much bigger loss. And one one of the things just to, that I wanted to mention too is that that year when I met Rich at New York Comic Con, what stands out to me now is I spent some time with him, and then at the table right next to him was Herb Trimpey, and I spent some time with him. In fact, I bought a, a head sketch from him as well, and I spent some time talking to him. And then there was a point where I was talking to the two of them at the same time, and I took a picture with each of them, and they were both just so nice that I spent, you know, 
probably way more of their time than I should have talking to them. Right. And now they're both gone, and I'm just thankful that I had gotten the head sketches from both of them. Right. You know, that, and, and that I did think to say, hey, would you mind taking a picture with me also? It's, just, it's a nice keepsake to have and to remember them by and, and to remember that day, which, you know, in, in my comic collecting time, that's, that's a special day. <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, I definitely know what you mean. Well, where did uh, where do we want to go from here, fellas? Want to take a look at his uh, Wikipedia page for a little while? Sure. Yeah, we can uh, hand that off to Bill. Give Bill something to do. Yeah, uh, Bill, you do something, you lazy. I've been looking at his so. art while you've been talking on his actual richbuckler.com. <laughs> dot dot com. Have you looked at some of his art on there? Yes, I have. Oh, it's just another thing, by the way. Was uh, you know, as I said, that Giant Size Superstars number one is like an all-time favorite book of mine, and I, I think it's a great, great cover by Rich, and uh, I contacted him to see about possibly getting a recreation of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember the exact amount he quoted me, but I think it was like something like nine hundred dollars. Holy cow. Uh, which I've come to find out is, you know, was pretty standard. You know, that, that's not, not an exorbitant fee amount for these people. And maybe I'm wrong on the exact dollar amount. Maybe it was a little less than that. But it was it was high. It was a lot of money by my compared to what I expected it to be. Uh, but, again, I, I, I inquired around and I did find out that, you no, know, that's what they go for. Uh, so I was never able to get that. And, that you know, I'm saddened by that. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I just couldn't afford it. Right. Well, if you go on richbuckler.com, you can see some of his uh, surrealism paintings. It's the first thing that comes up. It's uh, They're very, I'll just say, interesting. Yeah. He, he frequently posted those on Facebook. I like the self-portrait one. Yeah, that's that's a good shot. The, apo- the apocalyptic dolly is, uh, <laughs> is pretty weird. And it, then there's this special Mona Lisa one, little little ways down too. That's all I'll say about those. <laughs> I I the only uh, interaction I ever had with Mr. Buckler was when we were at um, Eternal Con, and and I just kind of stood and watched while you guys were talking to him. I I didn't have any books for him to sign. Um, but yeah, he 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 did seem ca- kind of reserved, but he was you know. Um, he was reserved, but he still talked to you a little bit. But uh, I mean, and you didn't bring a, a lot of books up either. You only had a few, so I, I. No, that was the thing. Is I mean, you know, because you know, I live in Florida, and and this was in, uh, you know, this was on Long Island, so you know, I I, I didn't. Well, but want... even so, I I don't think you would. You're not, quote unquote, that guy. Well, I I'm not, but <laughs> at the same rate with with him, and I can't remember if I was tipped off about this ahead of time or not. Maybe maybe that was another reason I didn't bring very many books because I wasn't sure whether he charged or not. He did, but it was very reasonable. I want to if it was more than three bucks a a book, I'll be I'll be shocked. But it was. I think it was. I think it was two. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it was like a dollar or two a book, which was to me and, was and perfectly. I, I also think it was two dollars that went to some sort of charity too. I don't even yeah. think he kept it. Mm. Yeah, and uh, so it was very reasonable. So, but I can't remember if I knew that ahead of time or not. But uh, that that may be why I didn't bring very many because not knowing, you know, like you said, I didn't want to be that guy and then you know wind up with a stack of you know fifty books and you know here sign these for me please you know and then they're like rolling their eyes and all that sort of thing. Um, if I'd known that, you know, he, he, he signs, you know, provided you, you know, you give a little donation or whatever, then I, I may well have brought more books because 
I'm so thrilled that I, you know, that I ever had the opportunity to meet him and actually get him to sign some books and everything. But that was just a mere, you know, drop in the bucket compared to some of the books I really would have liked to have gotten signed. The one that, uh, that I most wanted to get signed by him that I didn't is probably the, um, I couldn't tell you the exact number of it, but the the giant oversize, it's either an all all new collector's edition or a limited collector's edition. It's the Superman versus Shazam, you know, Superman versus Mm -hmm. Captain Marvel. If I had gotten that sign, hey, love you, Andy Leyland, but you'd have never got that book, man, because if I'd have gotten him to sign it, then I would still own that book. But uh, but I was going to say, didn't you just didn't you just hand that off to Andy? I did. I did. Yeah, I give it to Andy. Um, I have it in a trade that uh, I'm kicking myself, but I cannot remember the listener that sent me that. But a, a listener sent me the trade that collects that and all of the Rich Buckler Captain Marvels. Well, actually, I, I take that back. It's all of the DC Comics Presents stories with Superman and Captain Marvel. So it's it's the mm. Captain Superman and Captain Marvel, or, you know, the versus Captain Marvel oversize is in there. That's the first story. And then there's two or three stories with Superman and Captain Marvel from DC Comics Presents. And then there's the annual number three, I want to say, where it's, uh, that one was done by Gil Kane. And if you're familiar with DC Comics Presents uh, annuals, that's the one where Savannah... Uh, has a green Marvel outfit on, and he's he's you know he's got the powers of Shazam. I presume I I don't know that I've ever actually read that story. I've had it for years, and I don't know that I've read that particular story. But those are all the stories that are in that trade, and I I entertained taking it, but I don't know. It just to me it felt kind of weird taking something that wasn't the original products somehow. I don't I don't know, maybe that's a. It, that seems now that he's gone, that seems like a really silly thought. But that was just kind of my thought process at the time was if I was going to have him sign anything, I wanted him to sign the original. And that's not the original. So I didn't take it. So I don't know. That was kind of my thought process. But anyway, hmm. but I mean, there's there's so many other books I, you know, I really would have liked to have gotten signed. But like I said, I didn't I just didn't want to flood him with a ton of stuff. So basically what I did was I I pulled a whole bunch of books or looked at a whole you know a long list of all these different works that I own. And just basically tried to pull like five or six of my absolute favorite ones to get him signed. And that that's pretty much what I did. Well, you know, our discussion about Rich Buckler uh, reminded me, I mean, because I was looking at his, his thing and he died um, about two weeks ago. Right. And and I don't I don't know if we actually brought it up or how much we mentioned it. But um, uh, this is where my mind goes, because uh, Bernie Wrightson passed away. Right. And I actually got something signed from him. Um, I I I got a um, actual print from him. From Bernie, uh, you mean? Yeah, yeah. What, um, yeah, we, we should we should have done a we. I mean, we can combine this and make it both of them because we should yeah. have done something for Bernie Wrightson as well. Well, and and he was he was all alone. He was he didn't have an elaborate setup at, at his booth or anything, and he was. Um, I think he might have been there with his wife and she was away and, and, and Ben and I were strolling through and, and I, I looked down and he had a nice, um, uh, he had a nice print with Batman with right. swamp thing in the shadow of his cloak. Now I remember you telling me all of this. Where, where was this? Was this last year's Tampa yeah. Bay? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Don't, I don't think I ever posted a picture, but if you, if you type, if you go, go on the Google and do uh-huh. Bernie Wrightson, Batman swamp thing, 
one of the images that comes up, you see Batman standing with his arms crossed and his cloak is draped, you know, hanging down. It's all black and white. And then inside his cloak, drawn inside the outline of his cloak, is is the swamp thing bending down, like kind of like in a thinker position, kind of like. Oh, yeah. OK. No, yeah. I see it here now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that's I, nice. Yeah. So I, I got that signed by him. Uh, um, and he was just kind of just hanging out and you know in the cons i don't think you're allowed to vape or smoke and he's just sitting there and he just kind of looks around and he just reaches down and he comes up (laughs) put his little vaping thing back down and he was he was a very quiet man i i I spoke with him a little bit about some you know creep show stuff and a few things and he said that some of the creep show stuff was going to be re-released and then um so this would have been like july of of last year so he looked pretty pretty frail uh, so i don't know what you know his what he pa- passed away from um but but yeah it was it was a nice experience it, i he was, want to say it was cancer i think but don't hold me to it i know that's what uh buckler just passed away from yeah so i may be confusing the two but yeah yeah, yeah. so he was just seeing here real quick i'm glad you remembered this because i i i remember when this happened and again being very it was two months it was two months prior to oh okay it says uh he was retiring because of his battle with cancer he died on march 18th of this year so it's really just two march like two two months prior to rich buckler at at the age of 68 oh it was uh yeah oh long battle with brain Mm -hmm. cancer oh yikes yeah see i uh to the best of my recollection, my first exposure to both Bernie Wrightson and Swamp Thing was in the original Swamp Thing number seven. And I remember being hooked by this because the cover is awesome. I, I can I can share it in the chat if you need me to. It was uh, the Swamp Thing is out on the ledge on the side of a, of a building, like an apartment building in a city. And he's holding on looking like i mean like he could just slip and fall any moment it kind of looks like maybe there's a spotlight on him just by the lighting and the coloring but it's hard to tell but coming towards him swinging towards him is this little figure of batman and in this issue swamp thing and i can't remember why he does it but swamp thing comes to gotham and runs afoul of the batman who doesn't understand him just thinks he's a monster and and you know it's it's funny because it's a DC, but it's the classic Marvel formula of, you know, the misunderstanding leads to a, you know, two heroes a fighting fight, type yeah. of thing. And I'm telling you from that moment, I was hooked. I was totally hooked. Oh, on I see it. Yeah. And a yeah, lot like, of it. Yeah. Are you looking at the cover? Yeah. Check out this image. I'm going to share this in the chat. And I apologize to the listeners because I know we're a uh, audio program and not a visual program, but what I'm sharing with Bill and Paul is another image from the book that, again, I've been hooked. This is one of the reasons I was hooked for life on Bernie Wrightson and his Swamp Thing. Now, ironically, this this particular picture is does not have Swamp Thing in it, but what it is is it's Batman oh, look at, that. at the with docks. The, yeah, but look and, at the cape. That yeah, is awesome. He's, he's standing with a foot. This is Batman I'm talking about. He's standing with a foot. He's basically, he's in an alleyway, but he's up on top of, uh, of a building, He's got a foot on one building and a foot on another building. So he's basically straddling the alleyway with his feet. And we're seeing him from slightly behind him. 
and the wind is whipping through these buildings so much that his cape is like forming around him. It, it's hard to describe. It's just you well, that's not see a it. scene. Beautiful. Usually, usually in like every single comic, a a a hero or even a villain's cape is going behind him, being blown. Right, right. The the wind is coming at his face. Here, the wind is coming from his back, and is basically sucked it up between his legs, wrapping around his legs, and is blowing in yep. front of him and yeah. flapping and in, in the breeze. In particular, I like the way it wraps around his legs and the way his leg muscles are kind of showing through that. Yeah. Uh-huh. And also, I really think it's kind of cool the way he has the shadow of Batman's cowl on the cape. cape. Yeah, yeah. And if I mean, as you look at it, the background is really nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is detail work on it is, is really nice. I'd like to know where this image is pulled from because it looks like uh, like it's I don't know if it's necessarily recolored, but it's definitely glossier and everything than the original. So this must be from some reprint, a reprint, yeah. Uh, yeah, that I'm not aware of. But it's it's gorgeous. But I'm telling you, that entire issue was phenomenal. And like I say, it just it hooked me on Swamp Thing. Just one one issue, one story, and I was hooked. And I had to go back and collect. All of the, um, I think it was Len Wein. Yeah, Len Wein was the writer and, and Wrightson was the artist. I had to get all of the Wein and Wrightson Swamp things uh, at that point. And, you know, this for me was in the years before, you know, of course, internet and everything, but also before comic shops. So it was really just kind of the area I grew up in and just, you know, really combing that area, trying to find and track down these issues I finally did get them all, but I'll tell you what, I paid a pretty penny because these were really popular amongst the kids that owned them. And so a lot of the issues that I that I did end up getting, you know, they were dog-eared, they were well-loved because these were just damn popular books. You know, people really loved the Swamp Thing. And, uh, and yeah, I've always been a huge uh, fan of Swamp Thing, particularly this, you know, this is the original Swamp Thing, you know, thought up by uh, by Ween and uh, Wrightson, and God, I love this stuff. But I mean, I liked I liked a lot of his other stuff too, a lot of his other art. But this was this will always be when I, when anybody ever mentions Bernie Wrightson, this is where my mind is always going to go is to Swamp Thing. But he did other great stuff that I really liked as well. Um, he illustrated uh, the Stephen King novella. Um, Oh, God. Cycle of Cycle the werewolf. Of werewolf, and I loved mm-hmm. that too. So yeah, yeah, that was really good stuff as well. I just found. Um, oh shoot, where did it go? I just found the original image. Yeah, yeah, I was yeah. looking at that too. Oh, oh, did you find it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, could... that first one I sure was definitely touched up. It was definitely recolored and everything. But even the original one, I mean, still has the detail on Batman. What I really like is that, you know, with that cape being whipped the way it is and it's for I mean, it's hugging right to his form. As Paul said, you know, you can see his mus- you know, musculature and all that at the same rate, it's wrinkled, too. And that just adds a level of realism to it. So it's not just forming to him like a flat image. I mean, Wrightson was paying attention to how thing, you know, cloth really works. And so it's it's clean, but it's also all wrinkled, and oh, it's just it's just amazing, you know that you can you can feel the wind in that, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can you can hear it howl, and that's just that that says so much when you can look at a static image like that, and it still employs your other senses. That's pretty cool, and and it totally does. Good stuff. There's, so 
Oh, there's the uh, uh, there's there's the uh, again no no one at home can see this but there's the picture that I got uh, Paul, right. there, there in the chat. <laughs> I don't know if you see it. Yeah, I do. It's very cool. Well, for what it's worth, as we're recording this, I posted the uh, the Batman the the Batman standing with the wind uh, on the back to the bins page. So, if you're listening to this, you could always go back in that page and find it. You know, we had a, a suggestion a while ago um, on our Facebook group to to have more images related to the things we're talking about. And I went on a lengthy explanation of why that's probably never going to happen. But at the same rate, I, I will try to do better about, you know, when these episodes go up and, and post when, when we're talking about things like this, maybe post those pictures uh, you know, save them in a file or something and post them, you know, as the episodes hit, you know, just to, to add a visual element to the show. Because, yeah, I know, you know, we do this a lot where we're pouring over some image. Oh, look at this. Look at that. And, of course, the, the listeners are stuck just, you know, using their imagination. I always go with the theory that, you know, it's like we're doing a movie commentary. You know, you know, they're playing it along in their head while they're hearing us talk. But not everybody owns every issue that we ever talk about, especially Russell Bragg, who doesn't seem to own any of them. So, you know. <laughs> Hi, Russell. <laughs> what else we got? Um, hold on. I'm actually putting up my pictures <laughs> as well. I said, what we are discussing right now on a bins recording. So, uh, well, on a, before we delve into a little bit further about Mr. Buckler, um, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to one of my daughter's friends who just graduated high school with her because she um, is a listener to this show back to the bins so we have reached the female 18 year old demographic wow unbelievable (laughs) yeah scary (laughs) and her name is Valeria so she shares the first name with uh um, yeah, those people. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Reed and Susan Richards, uh, second child, who is uh, and uh, whose uncle, Uncle Doom, or Godfather, who actually gave her the name Valeria. So, special shout out to Valeria. Hey, what's up? Hi. So, as you, oh, and I also spoiled. Hi, Valeria. I think I spoiled something. I spoiled. Uh, I spoiled. Hey, brains. <laughs> I yes, I spoiled. I think uh, Iron Fist for. Her. So sorry about that. <laughs> the the so, Netflix series. Yeah, I think I said I'd like blab something about something that happened. So. Ah. Uh, so, I finally finished that. Did finally. You, what did you think? It was okay. I, you know, it's funny because when I first started watching it and everything, I was like, what is everybody's problem with this? I'm really enjoying it. And then I got to about the midway point and I'm like, man, this might actually be my favorite one of all the Netflix ones so far. And then we got to the end of it and I'm like, wow, did that really peter out at the end? So I'm still kind of mentally processing exactly how I feel about it. I think part of the problem is that this is probably... This particular watch has probably had the most stops and starts and great length of time in between different episodes than any of the others. And I think that didn't help because the story in this one, and maybe it's just my impression because of those stops and starts, but it seemed like this one meandered a lot more than the other ones did. And that's saying a lot when you take Luke Cage into consideration, because Luke Cage, I thought, meandered like crazy. 
Um, I, I think yeah, they had. They, I think they had enough story to make an eight-hour show, and they made a thirteen-hour show. You know, it's funny you say that because that's what I said to Logan when we were done with it at the end, and I felt the same way about Luke Cage. I felt like Luke Cage went basically like twice as long as it should have because when. I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but I thought when the when the initial threat is disposed of in Luke Cage, that should have been the end of it, and that's really about the midway point of it. No, I thought... So I, don't, I don't know that that should have been the end, but I think the initial threat shouldn't have been disposed of. Exactly. You could have brought in yeah. the second threat and had a double threat. Yeah, right. because, because the second threat, who was supposed to be the quote-unquote bigger threat, eh, not so much. I think the other guy was a much more intimidating... Whereas the second threat was like a cardboard cutout villain. Right. Yeah, I'll buy that. I will definitely buy that. You know, yeah. or the or the or maybe the roles the actor should have been reversed or something because he just didn't he didn't. Well, look wise, I think they had the right actors in the right roles. Mm. Was that? Uh, I mean, and I don't think it's a spoiler to say the characters' names: Cottonmouth and Diamondback. Right. I did like you the know, reference I, I, you to know, the. If you look at them in the comics, I do think that. They looked the right way. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? No, come on. You got to say it right. <laughs> you can't just go, can you dig it? Every time I say it, you you, you Can you dig me. it? Yeah, see, even Scott did that better than you, Paul. What's up? See, what is that it's, from, it's Scott, because that's Scott from really the, doesn't do anything better than that's this. From, that from the Warriors. Warriors. That's yeah. right. See, I that, know that because that's that, the gang leader guy that calls all the gangs, the, guy, the stupid guys that wear the baseball outfits and... Make brings all the gangs together and six them on the warriors. You know how I know that the guy with the Clip. beer bottles. Clip, clip, clip. I I know that because there was a, a band I was really into in the '90s called Pop Will Eat Itself, hmm. and their first album is just chock full of pop culture, like mostly comic book stuff. To be honest with you, here here's the thing: is uh, I, I know exactly how I discovered that band because I had a. Um, a roommate when I was in the Air Force, his name was uh, Jason Piccinotti. And Pick was really into um, Depeche Mode, for one, because I used to tease him relentlessly by calling it Depeche Moody, which drove him crazy. <laughs> um, but he was like really Depeche into uh, Depeche Mode. And what what did they call that back then? What was it? Alternative? Is that what they called was it? Was it Technopop? No, no, no. It was... It had just... It's actually yeah, like that's... an established genre now, but back then it had just formed, and they, uh -huh. shit. I was saying, I want to say it's called alternative. I think alternative rock, progressive crap. Yeah, I mean that's what I thought a lot of it was, but but one of them that he did turn me on to that I really liked was Pop Will Eat Itself, because of the of the comic book references. Because I remember him going, "Hey, I, I want you to listen to this." He goes, "Keep an open mind, but listen to it. I think you'll like it." And I started listening to it, and I'm like, what the hell is this? He's like, no, no, stick with it. And then they started dropping references to like Alan Moore and The Watchmen and all these different and, – and I was really into that shit then. And uh, and I just – you know, somehow it just started to kind of sink in. And after a while, I, I became a really big fan of, uh, of Pop Elite itself. I have no idea what ever happened to them, but I, I loved those guys. I would love to hear from any listeners that know who the hell I'm talking about because they had one – their one big hit off their first album, I can't remember the name of it now, but it, it had that sound clip in it with the guy going, can you do That might have been the name of the song for all I remember, but I remember it having lyrics like Alan Moore knows the score and all these weird lyrics and everything and just tons of little 
sound clips from different movies and and things like that. But it was I, I liked them. I thought they were really good. I, I liked all their. I don't know if I ever had all of their albums, but all the albums of theirs that I had, I loved them all. So yeah, I like those guys. English alternative rock band formed in yep. Stourbridge in 1986 with members from Birmingham, Coventry, and the Black Country. Yep. Hmm. Songs. Can you dig it? Ich bin Auslander. Defcon One. Defcon One. Oh my God, is that a good song? <laughs> I'm trying to think bl- of the other big one that they had from their first, because they had Can You Dig It, and they had one other big one off their first album. I cannot remember what the hell the name of it was, but why is that? Tell you what, that's that's going to end up being a uh, that's going to end up being a long play at some point. Is doing that first pop album. I, I, I would love to find somebody else that that both knows the album and, and has at least a, a level of appreciation for it to do a, a long play with about that. Cause I think that could be a lot of fun. I, I haven't listened to it in so long. Hopefully I would still like it or not, but I remember liking it back then. Let me see. Pop will eat it. So I'm not driving me crazy <laughs> to try to remember the name of that other song. Cause they were both, I liked both the songs because they were both um, comic book related but I can't remember the name of that, so of that song. What, what I found about Iron Fist, though, was that, like, watching them, and I think this is where, like, the spoiler came in, that in the first, I thought it was going to be, that it was going to drag, it was deceptively quick in the beginning, because I thought, oh, we're going to drag out, like, three or four I- three or four episodes about how Danny Rand is going to prove he's Danny Rand. And like the beginning of the second episode, boom, bang, boom, we're done. I'm like, oh, oh, he's established. And, and, and I thought it was going to go quicker and get more into the story. But then like that whole thing came up again when they tried to, to force him out because he didn't function well in the real world. And it's kind of like, mm. the interesting I just, thing, I, I thought it needed a little more ass beaten in it was the big thing, though. I mean, I liked the fight scenes we got. We just didn't get enough of them, which was the exact same feeling I walked away from at the end of Luke Cage. I liked the action stuff that we got. We just didn't get enough of it. Well, the other thing I heard, and this didn't this didn't affect me directly because I'm not sharp enough to catch this, but people who apparently know about martial arts said that, uh, you know, Danny Rand looked like the weakest martial artist going that his moves didn't look natural at all yeah i didn't, I didn't you know, care about but any that's of that. i don't i don't have the eye to, to pick that up personally right i i don't care about any of that i don't you know so long as as long as it's it can fool me into believing that you know <laughs> that it is then it is i don't care how authentic it is so long as i buy that it's authentic and i totally bought it so yeah i'm, I'm good with that but see i I really liked that it did not do that thing that I said would annoy the shit out of me if it did, is it didn't go into a lot of Middle Eastern mumbo-jumbo bullshit that I just... That's where those those chop sake flicks always lose me is when they start to get into all the, you know, the, the philosophy of, of, you know, the martial art. And, and it's just like, I don't care. You know, he's a martial artist. Let me see him just kick the shit out of somebody that's all I really care about. I don't care about the whole mystic aspect of it and all that. And it really didn't, for the most part, go into all that too much. But well, unfortunately, I mean, I mean it, it touched towards all the that end. With, what's that? Well, it touched towards the end and actually kind of he turns his back on all that, which is the whole point is that he was right. chosen as the Iron Fist and then was like, uh, Danny Rand out <laughs> and right. left. Yeah. 
which uh, unfortunately though it, it ended up replacing you know replacing all that stuff that I, I kind of expected it to go into with the with the mysticism element with the whole thing with, 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 the, uh, with the Rand Corporation and I didn't really care about most of that either so yeah it, mm. it, it was it was it's a strange beast I can see that one although I really enjoyed it I can see that one being kind of a slog on the rewatch now a lot of people thought it was a slog on the initial watch I, I really didn't I mean I enjoyed it um, but there were definitely moments of it where I was like, oh my God, come on already. Cause early on in it, I remember there being, I think it was like three or four episodes in where I was starting to get kind of weary. I was kind of like, all right, he re oh, I know what it was. It was when he was locked up in the nut house and it was getting toward the end of whatever episode it was on. And again, I think it's like three or four episodes into it. And it got to a point where I'm like, okay, you know, I, I know what you're going for, but can we please just cut to the chase and have just beat some ass and get out of there already? And then, thank God, that was how the episode ended, where he just beat some ass and escaped, which is just what I was looking for. And if that hadn't happened right then and there, eh, there might have been a big old gap between that episode and when I watched the next one, because I was kind of getting you know, a little bored with it at that point. Yeah, because so, isn't that the first time he really unleashes the Iron Fist? I think so, blows yeah. Blows down that door? yeah. But see, I thought this—I thought it started off in the right way because right in the very first episode, you know, he he slaps some guys about and everything, which is really—I was hoping that that it would start that way as opposed to being like some sort of like slow build to where you know you had to wait a while before he he showed off you know his abilities and they pretty much come right out of the gate like he shows up at Rand, security tries to throw him out and he beats the crap out of him and that's that's just what I wanted so. It was a weird mix of giving me what I wanted and then making me wait for an extremely long time in between getting more of what I really wanted. But overall, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I, I I put it higher than some of the other Netflix series. Let me just put it that way. And that's not to say that I haven't disliked any of them because I've liked them all to varying degrees. But there's certainly ones where I'd be a little, a little more inclined to rewatch this one than rewatch, like, say, I'll just come out and say it, Luke Cage. Luke Cage, I really liked, but I was really disappointed by it at the same rate because it, it went on too long and there just wasn't enough Luke Cage. There was there was a whole lot of other bullshit I didn't care about when I really just wanted to see him being super Luke Cage. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I, I actually liked Luke Cage more than Iron Fist. Uh, I thought a lot of the Iron Fist criticism was overblown and I think that had to do with the... Uh, what I, I consider to be a silly political correctness argument. And I really don't want to get into debates over right. that, but I just think, you know... You're, you're talking about uh, the, the fact that he was a white guy. Well, I'll yeah. just back you up to say that I totally agree with you that uh, people just need to get a freaking reality check on that because he was a white guy <laughs> in the comics. So, you know, mm -hmm. I don't care if it's politically incorrect. They cast it incorrectly. So, you know, screw you. It's it's not politically incorrect at all. It's it's people wanting to to create something and create a controversy that should just shouldn't exist, as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Uh, but again, you know, I I know people get all butt hurt. So <laughs> if I offended somebody, then you know, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got your back on that one because you know I I'm sick of the whole that whole thing with comic book casting. You know, if they if they want to get into that crap with, you know, some actual literature out there somewhere, then that's a whole different, you know, ball of wax. But leave, leave my comics the hell out of your political bullshit, you know? 
That's just how I feel. But anyway, let's see. What else are we talking about? What else is going on in the world? Uh, well, we do have some emails <gasps> we can uh, get in. Emails. And, and maybe maybe that'll lead us It's somewhere. not more from raking and me looking... over the coals, is it? Cause I've no, got... no, no, no. I, I, I can only hope. Bastard. But, uh, I'm, I'm going to read. Uh, it's not in order of dates, so I'm going to read the oldest one. The oldest. Uh, titled Uncomfortable Cap. And it's from Richard Shannon. <laughs> and it's Dear Paul, Scott, and Dr. Dick Bill. Shannon. I work for Dick Shannon. Oh, sorry. After listening to the Demolition Man episode, all I could think of during the part of the plot summary was the, that the Teddy Pendergrass song, Turn Off the Lights, should have been playing when Dr. Bill got to the cap shower part of the story. <laughs> Very uncomfortable indeed. Yeah, we agree. Also, I wasn't sure, but was that Manfred Mann cover of Demolition Man used during the episode, or was the police version of the song used? I can honestly tell you I don't remember what song I put in the background. Well, that would be that. because you didn't, because I edited it. Ah, there you go. <laughs> and I and do you remember what song yes, you I used? Yes, I put the police version. And I go. think okay. another version as well. <laughs> it was the Grace it's... Jones version, wasn't it? Ah, I didn't put that one in there. It was still too, too much. Oh... But I know the one you're talking about. I, I'm, I'm so taken aback by the fact that you edited one and I forgot. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh-oh. Uh, kudos to Paul. I don't know when this episode is going up, but kudos to Paul. The, the be Saturday. Know, <laughs> the most recent one to go up is uh, the the Avengers Spotlight Part Two for uh, the <laughs> Celestial Madonna. When you put the Macarena in the background, I was dying, dude. That that was funny. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad you got a kick out of that, because you know there are times, and and you know you've edited enough stuff. There are times when I'm editing it and I'm sitting here laughing to myself, and I just hope other people will laugh. Then there was also a point, some point in the discussion there, where we started like debating something really stupid that I started cracking up, but I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> so uh, Rich goes on to say, "Keep turning out the episode, guys." Richard Shannon. And uh, thanks for your input, Rich. I appreciate it. And uh, uh, the reason I didn't know what song I put on there was because I didn't put any song on it. Dr. Bill did. <laughs> One of the rare Dr. Bill episodes. I uh, edit them every now and then. Well, the, uh, Avengers Spotlight was supposed to be the Dr. Bill show. And yet I think you've edited three of them. <laughs> That's because the first one took me forever to edit. And then the second one took a long time. No, no, I think I've edited like, four, right, I think. Bill. All right, Dr. Bill, I'll do this one. Don't worry. Okay. Now, I'm not seeing the one that you just read. I'm, the next one I'm seeing is, is entitled Match Game. Am I in the right folder? You are in oh. the right folder. This one was in the middle in the middle of the pack. Ah, okay. It's, it's actually got your name on from because it was I sent to you. the uh, Gmail account, and I forwarded it. I got you. So that's, that's why the date on it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the oldest one because... Even though it was the it was the oldest one, it was sent over recently. I gotcha. Okay. Oh, I see it now. Uncomfortable cap. Yeah, that may, that make an excellent yeah. uh, title for a for a uh, for a series. <laughs> the uncomfortable Captain America. You know, they have the uh, what is it the the awesome Hulk or whatever the hell that that's the Hulk title is that's out there now. Yes, the totally totally awesome, awesome Hulk. Hulk. Uncomfortable cap. Yeah, there you go. That works. Mm-hmm. Be a cross up crossover. All right, which one's next? Uh, next one, I guess, would be Match right, Game. I can read that one if you like. All right, so this one's entitled Match Game. 
It says, Dear Benzers, says, I really enjoyed your match game themed episode. I did too. It says, uh, I hope it uh, becomes a regular reoccurring show. Yeah, because we want to we wanna give Paul a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I loved doing that show. I had, I had a blast recording it with the guys. I had a blast planning for it, coming up with the questions. I had a blast editing it. But to be honest with you, getting all of that done and getting a time when everybody could make yeah. it, a lot of headaches yep. there. So it's something that I would love to do again, but it can't. It just can't be a frequent occurrence because it's just too much work. Yeah, uh, I can only imagine. But I'm glad glad to know it's appreciated. It was though. funny. It was, though. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, to do. I, I, I played that. that. I played that episode for my mom when I picked her up to bring her up. This. <laughs> she she thought it was funny. She thought it was funny. It was funny. Uh, email continues. However, I do have a request. Is it possible for you to do a Hollywood Squares themed show? <laughs> In order, uh, I would say I would say no for exactly the reason I just said because you instead of having to get whatever it was I guess eight people or nine people together to do match game I'd have to get like twelve right. people or thirteen people to do Hollywood Squares and it's just the the logistics are probably impossible. Continues here. I know in order to do that you have to have about twelve people involved, but I know the Two True Freaks Network must have an ample amount of contributors to pull it off. Well, that's the thing is getting all of those people to have the same time off. Yeah, that's the trick. Yeah, that's the problem. To have twelve people who are interested in being on, no problem at all. Twelve people who are interested in being on and all available at the same yeah. time. Because it, it's it's a scheduling. Because it took what from when you first sent out the thread? What did it take about two weeks for us to finally get a night? When we all could do it. Oh, it took long. It took longer it? than that because I had been putting, was I had been putting out feelers on this thing for months. Months, wow. yeah, it was months. Because that idea, but, uh, you know, I mean, there there are times, honestly, there are times where we have we have some theme episodes planned with guest hosts. So it's the three of us who are usually, you know, we manage to find a time and just to conform that to one extra person. A lot of times that ends up getting delayed for months just before we can get four of us together at the same time. Right. You know, we, we have something in particular we've been planning to do with Mike Bailey for a while now, but it's on hold. Yep. I know how that is, being on hold with Mike Bailey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this one wraps up by saying, anyway, keep cranking out the episodes and I'll keep listening. By the way, I enjoyed the spotlight on your favorite annuals as well. And again, this one was from Rich Shannon. Thank you very much, Rich. I, is it Rich or Rick? I guess it's Rick, right? It's, it's, it's Rich or Richard, Richard okay. I believe. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And I uh, I liked that one as well. Ironically, that uh, that annual show hit uh, the very week that Rich Buckler passed away. And my number one selection on that favorite annuals one was DC Comics Presents Annual Number One, which was a Rich Buckler one. And so listening to that, uh, listening back to that, because I couldn't remember what my five were. And getting to that number one was, uh, it felt really good, but it was also very bittersweet. You know what I mean? But it felt like a nice tribute, you know, like an un unintended tribute to him, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You want to take the next one, Bill? Yeah, which one? Uh, the Back to the Bin score? Kirk. No. Well, that Kirk. one came in May 11th. Oh, no, you're right. I'm getting, I'm reversing it. So, yeah, do the rest oh, okay. of the Back to the Bin score. And it is from... It is bleh, titled Back to the Bins 283 Score, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. And uh, I I saw a post today on the Facebook page that uh, Kirk was nice enough to tell, I believe it was Russell, right? Wasn't he asking what score stood for? Uh, we just rearranged the letters, what it was, obligatory, shameless, coattail writings. Shameless, obligatory, coattail writing episode. Yeah, something like that. 
but we just rearranged the letters to make it a cool acronym. Actually, Kirk did he? Uh, oh, that's right. Letters for us. Yeah, that was his suggestion. I forget. Kirk makes show go. <laughs> now I'm gonna with it before we get a chance to read uh, Russell's uh, email. I'm gonna speculate that he doesn't have any of the books that we went over. Uh, I don't remember. We'll have to see. Um, so. Well, no, well, oh, yeah, that's, uh, blah, blah. welcome back, guys. I guess you can play the welcome back Kata team here. Welcome back, welcome back to the same your dreams. Oh, I was doing a different verse. Welcome back to that same old place that they uh, left about. That singing thing? Well, the names have all changed. That singing thing? Yeah, you guys suck at it. <laughs> oh, that's a good Who'd thought to me? Nightmare where we need you. Yeah, we tease him a lot. Because we got him on the spot. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. How much crap would I catch by by admitting that I always thought that show sucks? Scott Gardner, the Mr. Woodman of Best of the Beast. Who's that? Who's that? The Vice President. Okay. What was the oh, one episode was... where he kept he kept trying to sing? He kept like running in the room trying to sing. I oh, it's been... I, I have to say, I actually liked that show when it was on when I was you know a young kid. And in hindsight, I totally agree with Scott. The show sucks. Maybe that's the way I want when, when I want to talk in the show. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> All right, all right, Horshack, Why don't you read the email? <laughs> hope, hope you enjoyed your time off or. Or that at least, or, or that it was at least time well spent. <laughs> I never spend my time well, so it's it sounds like uh, sounds like it was that. Bleh, it sounds like that I need to go to remedial reading. It sounds like it was you. You have uh, you have several weeks off, not months of shows in the can. That's what I'm currently trying to do with the DC Comics Present show. I at least want to have a five episode cushion. What are we at? What are we at? Like a ten ep- eight? Ep- Oh, wait. I think we're about yeah, to. Scott keeps chomping into that, though. Oh, sorry. Not promising, hey. but I... <laughs> I'm hoping to be back sometime this summer. Scott made a reference to Bugs Bunny being raised by gorillas. Don't ask me to remember how it came up. Anyway, the cartoon was Apes of Wrath, released in 1959. It was recycled from the 1948 cartoon called Gorilla My Dreams. <laughs> The drunken stork loses his baby ape for Mr. and Mrs. Elvis Ape on (laughs) Jungle Island. So he knocks out Bugs Bunny and delivers him instead. (laughs) All right. Mutter. (laughs) Hopefully by the time you read this email on... Who wrote this? Okay. Hopefully by the time... Russell's schooling us on something? Yes. Amazing. I was going to mention that. Yeah, he does that every once in a while with some old stuff. Well, like, I, well, that that's good, you know, because that, that all right, that that that's good. We we make I, fun of Russell not having the connection you know, on this stuff, but he he comes up with. Well, this it's stuff good because I was getting concerned. You know, I was I was afraid that maybe he was like, you know, like like these like he was like maybe sneaking these these missives that he sent to us as some sort of like plea for help or something because he was actually like <laughs> you know being kept in a closet and fed through the keyhole or something. You know, he just seemed like kind of a shut in to me. No, I, I don't think that's the case. <laughs> Somebody should lock me in a closet and feed me through a keyhole. Maybe I'd lose weight. <laughs> Better be a big keyhole. 
Hopefully by the time you read this email on the show, my wife and I will have seen Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I am so surprised my wife wants to go. Now, I was going to put a piffy comment in there, but I was going to say, like, yeah, I'm surprised she wants to spend time with you. Oh, I, oh, oh that was so mean. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was my team. I kid. I kid. On the bottom. Bad. Bad. Sorry. Bad, Dr. Bill. Bad. That I have was... no knowledge of Guardians. <laughs> Imagine that. Other than what you say on your show. <laughs> See? <laughs> Let's see if we can figure out what he's try, try, trying to say. So, All right. I have no knowledge of Guardians other than what you say on your show. So I think he's saying, I I only get to hear your show. Please help me. Didn't go see the first movie. I was locked in a closet. Okay, that's what it says. But Amanda bought me the Blu-ray for Christmas. So Amanda, his wife, has been shoving the cookies through the keyhole. We eventually watched it. Or she let him out and loved it. And then she put him back in. I even bought the soundtrack. Okay, so then she... She brought him another meal and shoved it under the door. Okay. On to the comics. I have two of the comics discussed. Ooh. Sort of. <laughs> uh, see? Don't, see? You got your Hulk. You got your Hulk. You got your hopes up. Avengers 114 and Hulk Annual 6 I have on DVD-ROM. Thanks, Paul. Bill's. Yes, I did. I did send Russell the DVD-ROMs. I forgot. And his wife shoved them through the keyhole. Bill's, uh, I mean, Hulk's synopsis was outstanding. I may have to synopsize DC Comics Present 71 in a similar manner. Do you guys know who's in that one by off chance? Not on mm. the top of my head, but I'll look okay. while you read. I am like you guys and hope they do Ego, the living planet, the right way. Kurt, Kurt Russell's face depicted on a planet. Yes, and we got that. They can they can do a, a lot of great things with CGI's. CGI these CGI these days, it is not too far fetched, too far fetched to hope, and it wasn't because we got to see a nice, grumbly ego face on there. I could have sworn there were several other games that he had a. Uh, oh, there were several other games that had a, popomatic dice roller. I think yeah, I think there was other than than trouble, because uh, that's what I referenced. Uh, Hulk was mad because it looked like a game uh, i remember trouble very well i was just disappointed when he when we re-bought the same game years later and the moving pieces were plastic and not wooden the games i found oh i guess he looked up one of the have the pop-up things are headache frustration and double trouble yes that's all for now can't wait to hear the backlog of shows russell bragg oh you'll hear them. clarksburg west virginia host of the dc comics present and, show uh... DC Comics Presents number 71 was Superman and Bizarro. Oh, so he am going to do Bizarro synopsis. I guess so. Oh, maybe. Oh. See, Russell, you should just contact me and me am do Bizarro for Russell. Okay, well, the next email is also from Russell, and it's titled Back to the Bins 285, The Freaky Five Return. Hello, fellows. Need to get this out of the way before I ramble on and forget. As much as I would love to take credit, I cannot. I did not send the box of candy to Paul nor Dr. Bill. It's not that I wasn't not that it wasn't a sweet idea, but I would never tempt Dr. Bill like that. I worry about his intake of Diet Mountain Dew, let alone give him a time bomb like candy. Also, I couldn't write a poem to save my life. Great idea, but it wasn't mine. So you guys have a mystery on your hands. Let's see what I can glom from my notes. 
after Dish Network took our CW station away and we decided to watch on Amazon Fire. They keep four episodes of shows. I don't recall how long they stay there, but you do get a warning when they will expire in so many days. Just finished the Flash season finale last night. The only thing I got right in my predicting in my predicting <laughs> was that Angel was posing. You haven't no, watched no, it yet? I've watched it. Has Scott watched it? What are we talking about? Scott's not going to watch it. Scott doesn't the like Flash, Flash TV show. <laughs> okay, so spoiler alert, everybody. I'm going to continue to read okay. thing. HR was posing holographically as Iris. I read through the remnant Barry. I read through. I really thought. I really thought the remnant Barry Allen would redeem himself and maybe become Flash on another Earth. Oh well, it ended pretty good anyway. The majority of my annual. Whoa, 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 whoa! That didn't end good at all. Did you watch it, Paul? Yeah, I did. He thought it ended well, and that's all. He what? Barry just. I'm not a. Barry just. Well, I gotta leave. Somebody has to be in the Speed Force, so bye, everybody. Bye bye. See you later. <laughs> well, it's good. You know he's. I know back. he's coming back, but it's stupid, though. Why does so, why does the speedster have to be in the Speed Force? Why not? You want you want a slow guy to be in there? Then I would be in there. Be the slow force. Be that turtle character they had on that the one episode. Slow force. <laughs> It would, the inertia. It would be the, that, that'll be that'll be Bill's supervillain name, inertia. Wow. It, it'll be it'll be the it'll be the sloth force instead of this. All right. Anyway, the majority of my annuals are DC <laughs> comics. If I have any Marvel, they would be either in trades, hardcovers, or DC ROMs, of which I have Fantastic Four, The Incredible Hulk, and The Avengers. My absolute favorite matches Scott. DC Comics Annual Number One. I got that one off the stands and read it over and over. I always loved the Earth-1, Earth-2 team-ups, but especially the Supermen. Of course, I didn't know it then, but this comic was the first inkling of Crisis on Infinite Earths, even if DC didn't know it at the time. I would agree with you that you shouldn't bring the Freaky Five back as a regular feature, maybe once or twice a year. I think we'll probably do it a little more than that, but whatever. I wonder why he says that. Uh, you, You could alter another Comics Monthly Monday segment to get... To get Scott to read a Galdern NFL Super Pro comic, <laughs> I'm still hopeful that podcast that podcast will come back. I'm still hopeful that I guess my podcast will come back some, someday, or that, that yeah. podcast will come back someday. Excuse me. Before I close, I wanted to say how much I appreciate that you appreciate my emails and feedback. I really love listening to your show. If I could, I would give you more iTunes ratings as a loyal listener. I want to thank you for the hard work you put into this podcast. It shows week to week. As always, my ultimate BTTB goal is to have each comic talked about during an episode. I've been close but no cigar several times. Maybe someday. Thanks again for a great episode, and thanks again for keeping me entertained at work. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia, host of the DC Comics Present Show. And Russell, yes, we absolutely appreciate your emails, your input, and your voice. okay. And that lat and that sentence that says I've been close, but no cigar several times. Maybe someday. That's he's saying he's been close to escaping several times, but he still hasn't gotten out. Well, I, I, I'm thinking none. <clears throat> okay, we have one more email. I hold in my hand the final email. Who's gonna read it? <laughs> uh, you want to read it, Scott? It's quick. Come on, it's it's two sentences. Come on, let's go. I can read everybody. it. Come on. Uh, hang on, which one are we at? Okay. Uh, here this we go. One, no, I see it. We, right. Well, we this got an Avengers one, too. This one says, hey, Benzers. It says, just a quick question for you. Is the graphic novel Revenge of the Living Monolith 
supposed to be in continuity? Is it canon? Uh, I'm going to say yes. What do you guys think? I'm going to say no. Why did you say no? I thought we didn't we explore that when we did it. I think there was something about the way the heroes were that there was some in- inconsistencies with the timeline. I don't remember exactly, but I seem to think that uh, that there were, and uh, that's why I'm thinking no. Uh, but okay, let me see. I'm, I'm going to say yes in the sense that several of the Marvel graphic novels, especially the early ones, as I recall, had a weird sense of maybe possibly happening outside of the regular timeline and everything. Uh, often because they had a, a slightly more adult feel to them, or maybe the, the content was a was a little more adult feeling. However, I, I, I at least I always thought that the ones that because you have to remember there were several of them that that were clearly just had nothing to do with the six one six universe or timeline or anything, but the ones that that typically featured you know your Spider Man, Captain America, Avengers, whatever. Um, I always thought at least loosely were in canon because they would use elements of them. You know, for example, like the She-Hulk one would get referred back to, you know, the fact that she couldn't change back and that the helicarrier had crashed at some point. This one gets referred back to, well, I'll go a little bit further in the email because the next part of it says, if so, has the living monolith um, ever been seen again in a Marvel mag or seen in a Marvel mag again, or is this one death that's really permanent? No, he came back. I'm reading where, too. It's he, Yeah, because it says, Abdul was found by Bishop and Deathbird floating in space. Deathbird revealed that she'd been betraying Bishop for some time. It was later on revealed that she was, in fact, working for Apocalypse. She then knocked out Bishop, and Abdul was brought to Apocalypse, who used Abdul's body as an energy container during the 12-story arc. This led to Apocalypse merging with Cyclops. Uh, the monolith was seen breaking up because of the excess of power absorbed and then fled. And then also it says later when the Crimson Gem of Sidorak uh, reappeared on the Earth, uh, Abdul was one of the people that was called to the gem. So, uh, so yeah, I guess he's back in the Marvel U. He's no longer a planet. He got better. <laughs> well, a- ask your question again, uh, Bill, the question that you just asked a minute ago. What question? <laughs> did you say didn't we talk about this in the episode oh yeah because yeah. i felt that way about this entire uh this entire email now that's not to say that i don't appreciate <laughs> getting the emails i do thank you very well, much. i don't remember maybe we didn't i, I don't know but this this is i thought we did also but maybe See, we this didn't. this email is from uh, our buddy kirk greenfield and kirk love you buddy but there's often uh, based on sometimes both your your emails to us and some of the things that you post in our facebook group where i'm like was Kirk like, you know, at work or doing the dishes or, you know, watching TV or something while he was listening to this episode? Because I'm pretty sure we addressed the thing he's saying. Hey, why didn't you address this in the episode? So I'm not really sure, but I don't know. It's just I, I don't. Or, or, or maybe he's right and we didn't address it. I don't. What's know. that? I don't know. I said, or maybe he's right and I, we didn't address it. I, I thought, thought we did we also. Did too, because it seems to me like we looked that up to see. Because I think I asked that question at the end of it. Do you know whatever? I mean, did this? Did he ever come back? Kind of thing. I think I asked that during the episode, and we ended up looking it up. Mm-hmm. I, I, I almost. Well, I could tell you one thing. I'm not going to listen to the episode. Yeah, I, I would. I would put money on the. Or maybe what what may have happened is while we were doing the episode, 
I looked it up for my own curiosity, but never actually shared. I never it out told the people. Yeah, that that's very possible too. So I don't you know. One way blankety blank. <laughs> <laughs> that's entirely possible. They named the street after him. <laughs> one, one way, way. only way. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of Demanzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to two true freaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the two true freaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Darn, that's the end. <laughs>